Welcome to the seven and a half floor of the Merton Flummer Building. As you'll now be spending your workday here, it is important that you learn a bit about the history of this famous floor. Welcome to Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute, the daily podcast in which we jam the crowbar of inquiry into the steel doors guarding the secrets of the film Being John Malkovich, one minute at a time. I am your host, Austin Pryor, and with me this week is Ben Bostock. Once again, crowbarring my way into other people's podcasts. <laughs> that was a very, that was a very Chris Morrissey intro. The way that was worded, I like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I think the Morris Iannucci school is probably informing my. That's uh, the steel horse of news rams its way <laughs> into the that kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Today, we inquire into. Oh, I see what I did there. Oh, oh, it's, the, it's... The, the crowbar of inquiry. <laughs> Today, we inquire into Minute 9 of Being John Malkovich. Minute 9 starts with the first appearance of the number 7.5 in this film and ends one minute later with Craig looking puzzled and lost as he steps onto the famous 7.5 floor for the first time. Yes, and uh, the first thing I I, um, sort of noticed from this is uh, we were talking earlier about the uh, in the earlier ones about the, the that anxiety of going into a new job or feeling like you don't belong in a certain area. Yeah. Because at this point in the film, I don't think you get a sense that anything particularly, or before, you don't get a sense that anything there's anything surreal or weird about this office. For all you no. know, at this point, it could just be he just going into an interview at every office USA. The only uh, hint is the, uh, that they specify short statured file clerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's True. so like you wouldn't imagine that you know if they're looking for a short statured person that that means that their their ceilings are very low, but you would just you would wonder. So that's if you caught that when you're watching the film for the first time, you could have like why does it have to be short statured? <laughs> it's just one of those like little things that it, you don't have. It's not drawn attention to, is it? It's just sort of like no, a lot of people. It'll there. probably go over a lot of people's heads, but. Yeah, looking for a man with fast hands is what you'll read. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? It, for for 90% of people, yeah. Well, that's that's what he'd zone into as well, wouldn't he, Craig? Exactly. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so he, he, like I say, with, with that aside, it sort of seems fairly normal until we get to the point where there's a very convoluted procedure to get into the mm. office, which I remember watching this and thinking, so I know we don't see this again in the film because we don't need to, but does yeah. that mean that Craig has to do this? Every single day. Every single day. And you do hear the alarm going off in the background <laughs> other other times. So it is it is kind of kept up that it has to be done. But uh, before that, I did just realize there, and I think I, I didn't even take note of this, that uh, we were talking about employment practices and oh, yeah. uh, job vacancies. Uh, looking for a man with fast hands, we saw in the last minute. Oh, yeah. uh, it should be looking for a person with fast hands, of course. Not very Or looking PC. for fast hands. Yeah, no, well, just illegal. <laughs> you, 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 can't, you can't specify... <laughs> You you can't specify the gender of a job. Uh, it's just not it's not equal opportunity employment. No, that's true. I don't um, I don't know. Of course, they don't have labor laws in the U.S., so you can probably <laughs> do whatever you like. I was just going to say I don't know whether that's more an, an indication of the time the film was made, or if that if that is a deliberate choice on the, the filmmaker's part. I, um, I I think it's just to kind of 
you know, man with fast hands. It's just to match up with Craig's uh, abilities and, and uh, yeah. it, has a, it has a ring to it. But uh, yeah. It's, I suppose it's a film. It's it's allowed, I suppose, to have these little sort of jumps. Yeah. But uh, he's he's joined in the lift by the woman who helps him and she's played by Octavia Spencer. Octavia Spencer. Yes. Yeah, so very strange to see such a big name uh, who was, of course, not a big name at the time no. as Octavia Spencer here in the uh, in in the lift. In such a in such a short little like blinking you'll not blinking you'll miss it, but like yeah, one scene and done kind of thing. Yeah, one and done. Seven and a half, right? Uh, yeah. I'll take you through it. Uh, yeah, so her first role was a tiny one in A Time to Kill in 1996, and she had been working on that movie as a staff assistant, and, um, and maybe in the casting department. Oh, and so she wasn't the an director, actress. No, and the director asked her to audition, and then she got that little part, and I guess she got the acting bug at that stage. Uh, maybe she had had it long before, because she was working in in the crew um on movies yeah so um but then she moved out to la and got an agent and did the whole thing and just for years turned up in bit parts you'll see her in er and the x-files and then this small role here and then it wasn't about the the sort of in an earlier one about the that guy phenomenon or i guess in this case that girl where you just sort of look at her face and go oh Oh, i know i know him him, her from something but i don't know what exactly they're just kind of keep popping up in little sort of short bursts before they get their big sort of flowery breakout, you know? Yeah. Um, so Octavia Spencer was, uh, yeah, she, she didn't break big then until uh, 2011 with the help. Oh, yeah. It's kind of, of interesting. A film that I, that I think hasn't aged that well. I haven't seen it, but um, I think she and Viola Davis have, have expressed uh, regret of being in it. I can see. Um, I can see that definitely. Um, yeah. I, I mainly knew her as a, as a kid because she's in the. She turns up in the first Spider-Man film. She's uh oh. yeah. She's she's the woman who went when Peter Parker goes to his first big wrestling match with Bonesaw. She's she's she has a little she has a funny little turn where she gives him this like speedy spiel about you do know that WWF is not responsible for any limbs you break oh, bones you crush yeah yeah okay. yeah so yeah. she has she has a, she has a little funny little minute minute hander in that uh, before right. Bruce Campbell comes on and I saw yeah. her in something recently actually she played the main or at least one of the main characters in the new version of The Witches oh I see the one with Anne Hathaway yeah it wasn't that good. It was yeah. Well, it was directed by Robert. What have you done for me lately, Zemeckis? So, <laughs> w- w- you know, how good is it going to be, Zemeckis? I should say. It, but she, Octavia Spencer was great in it. She's the the grandma in it. Oh right, cool. I did a bit of sleuthing here on the board. Yeah, there's a good clear shot of it at the six second mark in this minute. Yeah, and it's the listings of all the different businesses, and uh, I started to look up these these names um and then i realized that i should probably open up the credits page on imdb and just do a you know control f search for all these and indeed that was very fruitful they're all like i mean i'm not going to go through them all but they're like lazaro property management but then greg lazaro was the location manager on this movie oh so they're all like little in jokes kind of yeah and then smriti trading company um and uh, Smriti Mundra was a production secretary on this movie. 
Oh. Yeah, so there's just all these credits from the, you know, all these accountants. Uh, three of the accountants yeah. that worked on the film were Giordano, Dardari, and Calloway. Yeah. I always think that when I look at, like, in a film of, like, a, a list of something, whether it's a list of companies or a list of names, I always think to myself, yeah. I imagine there's probably, like, names of the crew, because it would just yeah. be easier. Then yeah. They obviously probably couldn't use real companies, because that would be conflict yeah, of yeah, corporate interest. Issue, yeah, yeah. So, um so so yeah, I, I can definitely see that. Yeah, one that I really liked was uh, Rondolad Publishing, uh, and that is a misspelling of Anders Rundblad, uh, who is the prop maker, who <laughs> probably made this and deliberately misspelled his own name. I like that, giving that's himself a bad reputation as a prop maker. Which, <laughs> that's that's my head canon for what he did anyway yeah i like that oh it just it probably just thought it'd be it'd be it'd be funny to do that or just like yeah. maybe maybe a bit self-indulgence put your own name on something so we'll just give yeah, it a little so twist to, uh, yeah, yeah yeah that might be it too yeah yeah um yeah so we got hayden computer is here and that's pamela hayden who's credited in this film as featured character voice she is the voice of Milhouse Van Outen on yes. uh, The Simpsons. Yeah, when you said Pamela Hayden, Hayden that, that, I, yeah, I was thinking, yeah. I know that name. From, yeah, and Jimbo Jones and a few other yeah. uh, characters. But yeah, um, so uh, then there's Vincenzo Fishing and Recreation and uh, Vince, Vincent Lande, <laughs> who seems to be nicknamed Vincenzo, is, uh, is one of the producers on the film. Uh, so it's just it just goes on and on like that right down to it. And it's mostly fairly the producers is kind of uh, exception to the rule because it's mostly quite low level, shall we say, credits to the film. Yeah. Which is nice to give uh, give people a little kind of. Well, it's like the people who, and it's also nice as well for the, for the, I imagine it would be nice as well for the, the crew members who did get name checks, because they can sort of, apart from having their, they've technically got their names twice in the film now, not just at the exactly. very end yeah. of the credits yeah. that most people don't stick around in the cinema to watch. Yeah. They can, they've got them there that everyone in the audience will watch. That's kind of, it's, it goes beyond just being an in-joke in a way, doesn't it? It's, it's quite sweet in that regard. Everyone in the audience will technically have these people's names in their field of vision. It's not to say it will be read. They're in their well. They're in their subconscious now, whether they oh. whether they like it or not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and speaking of subconsciouses, um, there's also I don't. This was prob- I imagine it was intentional, but the sort of the fact that he has to crawl he, when, when she stops the lift and crowbars it open so he can get onto the seven and a half floor. Yeah, he has to sort of. He obviously, with it being so low, has to crawl on his, bend his knees and crawl in, which, you know, it's obviously sort of foreshadowing the fact that he's going to be spending a lot of the time in this film, not just crawling yes. in the office, but crawling into the portal yeah. later on. He's sort of, which which in that portal, he's literally entering another world. But mm-hmm. in, in that sense, he's also entering another world here because by this point, I know, I know what we were saying about the seven and a half thing sort of, hints that something's not right but from this i'd say from this point on is when the film starts to enter the, its own sort of universe of its own making because even before we get into all the portal shenanigans the the, the people and the whole vibe of the office something about it's just it's not right <laughs> never mind the fact that the ceiling's so low yeah yeah he's taken to a, ste- a step into a more surreal world i mean We've got kind of preposterous things happening straight away, like the number of animals they live with and the different the number of types of animals is really kind of not 
absolutely not impossible, <laughs> but in a New York apartment seems unlikely yeah. and seems an extreme thing to do. And then the 60-foot Emily Dickinson uh, puppets <laughs> on TV, again, not impossible and uh, there are some very large scale puppetry projects as were discussed last week but so just a little bit of exaggeration of reality in tune with the tone of it all yeah yeah but then now we're going through the looking glass or down the rabbit hole or whatever you whatever way <laughs> yeah. you want to say and we're, we're we're bringing the weird oh yes definitely and it's and it's uh there's a kind of dream logic to it and like i don't mean yes. just in the sense that crazy things happen but more in the sense that every no one seems to acknowledge that crazy things are happening yeah they all kind of get along with this get on yeah with this. obviously the people um, in and the if office we're talking about dream logic we kind of have to mention or at least give a tip of the hat to uh synecdoche new york which is oh gosh, which yeah. is all about that which is it takes takes however however far we go into dream logic storytelling in this movie we just dive into it uh <laughs> with both feet in synecdoche new york it's so it's um, all through his work isn't eventually. it like uh eternal yeah, sunshine of the spotless mind is, is yeah. also a, a film very much about that sort of which I, I find that he sort of because a lot of when when you see dream dreams in films they're always quite um sort of the, the sort of standby image is to just have some crazy shit happen but yeah. that's not quite how a lot of dreams work. Obviously, some you see unusual things, but it's it's also that sense of those those kind of dreams where you're in a familiar place, but there's just something off. Like mm-hmm. you know, everyone's had those dreams where you're you're ever at work or or yeah. the common the common one you find yourself back at school, and yeah. you just it's just something's just been something's just been dialed up slightly to give it that sense of something not being right, quite right. I think that Kaufman and probably um david lynch to a degree are probably one of the only two sort of like fil- filmmakers or writers in hollywood who really sort of grasp really sort of get closest to what a, a very very anxious not even a nightmare just a very anxious yeah, dream very anxious can, can dream, feel like yeah. how it can play on the subconscious a bit and make you not not terrify you to the point of fear but just make you go a bit oh that's hmm <laughs> you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Um, yeah, he he taps in on something, you know. Definitely. Uh, yeah, because he doesn't know what he's tapping in on, and he he has given out about this uh, Kaufman esque uh, thing, and he, you know Charlie Kaufman has said like, I wish I knew what it was, so I could you know replicate it. I think <laughs> but, that's, uh, I think that's true of a lot of writers though, isn't it? Like, I think yeah, a lot of the good because they're probably, too close to judge. Yeah, yeah, because they don't, they don't, they don't. I imagine like the example I just gave, for example. I said example about three times then. I do apologize. Mm. Um, David David Lynch, when he sets out to make yeah. a film, probably he doesn't sit down and think, I'm going to make a David Lynch film. He'll yeah. just he just does what feels right, just like how Charlie Kaufman does probably doesn't go, I'm going to write the most Kaufman esque script. He of just t- he just tells it sort of what makes yeah. sense to him. And uh I think that's the the best thing a creative person or a writer at least can do really is just do what makes sense for them and then hope that people are in tune with that and sort of are willing to go along with that you know which i think it and like we we're saying this 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 minute is probably one of the most important in the film because this is the point now where the sort of the the reality of the film well the reality of what we've seen so far is going to be undermined and usurped yes. and sort of commented on 
and subverted until by the last few minutes it you know the reality that we know from these few, few minutes are almost a, a thing of the past we're just in full-on crazy town yeah. for lack of a better yeah. word <laughs> <laughs> One detail I noticed this time that I hadn't seen before, when we see the eighth floor through the door of the lift, yeah, we see these feet going by, a woman yeah. presumably in... Um, in uh, now, I think I had noticed this before because it, that's what really sells the fact that it's between the seventh and the eighth, where you can see the number eight through the lift in, in that kind of um, stenciled thing that's just there for engineers. Yeah. But I had never noticed the fact that she just kind of waits by the lift and there's kind of even it's good leg acting because she looks impatient and you can just imagine her saying, oh, this stupid seven and a half thing, because it probably takes much longer to stop at the seven and a half than it does stop at other floors. And I just thought it was a really nice detail. I thought it was just walking past, but she doesn't walk past. She walks over to the point where she must be pressing the button and then waits and there's a slightly impatient move of the leg, which is just like really nice. I never would have, yeah, I never would have picked up on that. But yeah, I suppose that yeah. is that is a good example of just like um, body acting, where yeah, it's just and, like and a good example of thinking it through. Unless we have a person there, you won't really sell it. Uh, well, you that need the scale. That there's don't a floor you? there, and you need the scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah you exactly. need the scale that this is sort of this weird sort of in in betweeny land yeah. as it were between normal life which is presumably going on on floor seven and floors eight yes, just like yeah. and uh whatever and also she to... manages she uh octavia spencer's character here has great skill because she manages to get the the floor of the lift exactly level with the floor <laughs> of seven and a half because she's probably done it's... it five thousand exactly times. Yeah, yeah yeah she's done it so many times so it's not a bit off she doesn't you know craig doesn't have to jump down or jump up to get onto the floor it's just like smooth yeah. sailing and again uh, we I... don't we don't see it but we we don't see the floor but we can see that he doesn't have to adjust his uh yeah. Right, yeah, and again we have to sort of, sort of admire the way that John Cusack sort of reacts to it. I know we, we, I touched on this earlier, but yeah. he doesn't he doesn't do that thing of what? what? There's like yeah. typical actor comedy actor thing of like this is crazy. Yeah, but he yeah. just he just kind of he, there's a flicker of confusion on his face, but he's, yes. there's also a sense of okay, this is how it is. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm just is. gonna. This is how it is. It I'll is just weird. We'll just uh, deal with this as it comes. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah uh yeah it's perfect every this is like this is weird but it's not you know seen as uh utterly but I'm, preposterous it's, or, we- or... it's weird but i'm sure i can manage exactly yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um so the one thing i noticed in the script that was kind of uh interesting for this well one incidentally it's like octavia spencer's character is man number one in the script so they changed it to a woman at some stage yeah um probably and they realized it was uh fewer of you know fewer of the small parts in the film were for women uh but everything is the same apart from the gender of the person in the lift but here's the description of the seven and a half floor from the first draft of being john malkovich yeah uh, the man pries open the doors with the crowbar revealed is a standard office building hallway except that from floor to ceiling it is oddly about four feet high everything is scaled down accordingly the number on the wall across from the elevator is seven and a half. So it's not the way it is here in the movie. In the first draft, everything is scaled down. So instead of the doors being short, 
they're short and narrow to have the same proportions as a normal door instead of the table being at the table level it's a, a small scaled down little table with a little model of a tiny flower on it that's even more bizarre and alice in wonderland here yeah exactly it's a real alice in wonderland idea or a lilliput idea you know yeah and it's uh it's really bizarre but in a way it's in a way it's less bizarre than this because this feels real whereas that would you would be stepping into an unreal feeling whereas this feels like a mundane, normal office, but it just happens to have get, incredibly low ceilings that nobody can stand up. Yeah, I get what you're saying. It's it's kind of like it's 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 just surreal at this point. It's just surreal enough. Yes, like we've not gone sort of full off the off the diving board yet. Really, yeah, we're not. Yeah. We're, we're we're gonna be. It's gonna be a while yet until we get into sort of the portal head swapping shenanigans. But mm. it, at mm. this point, it 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 could just be like it would be very strange in real life. But it something like this could be plausible to a degree even even given the the crazy story we get later on with the where he built it for his short statured <laughs> wife you know yeah uh yeah i mean it wouldn't it wouldn't be allowed like you can't no. <laughs> you, you you know health and safety you uh, you can't have people working in in a space like this but it, break it, necks. it feels <laughs> but it, the, it's not so much that it's believable as it feels like a real physical space and it, it has a balance between the mundane and the fantastical. Within the reality of the film. Yeah, within the reality yeah. of the film, people are getting on with it. Whereas yeah. if everything were scaled down, it would just be too kind of cute and weird and Alice in Wonderlandy. It's like you're sort of dipping your toe just slightly into the deep end. It's not throwing yeah. you quite off it just yet. It's just so that when the small mad stuff happens, you're you're kind of primed for it, aren't you? It doesn't just Absolutely. appear yeah. out nowhere. Okay, well, it seems our time here is coming close to an end for the day. Will you be able to come back tomorrow? Uh, I think I can. I think I think I can arrange that. You'll have to. You'll have to find me first. But yes. Okay. Well, you'll have to find me. I'll be waiting here. You'll just have to find that portal and uh, get your ass in here. <laughs> okay, I'm about to about to lose you again. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Welcome to Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute, the daily podcast in which we jam the crowbar of inquiry into the steel... <laughs> this one is so ridiculous. That was good, that one. <laughs>